Hey everyone, it's Copeland Bell, your resident historical housekeeper. If you love old houses, fancy things, and have a penchant for the dark, mysterious, and possibly cliche, this podcast is for you. Each week you're going to hear a story about one of the lovely historical homes that I help maintain and the strange things that happen in them. Please remember, this podcast is for mature audiences only. No little ear should be listening. So get nice and cozy, and let me tell you a story. Episode 1, Haskell House. collected many a haunted house story during my career. Looking back on it, the very first historical home I cleaned should have given me pause. But it didn't, because as you know, when you want something so badly, you overlook many a red flag. That's why I have an ex-husband. On this particular day, I woke up on an early September morning that seemed filled with promise. My new historical housekeeping business was doing okay. I had a few clients, mostly from antique shops in town, and a few suburban homes in a nearby neighborhood. I was making money, it just wasn't going exactly as well as I'd hoped. But I'd lucked out in picking up a client in one of the fancier parts of town. A friend who was a decorator put my name in the ear of the owner. I wanted to make a good first impression with this client by looking somewhat presentable. Now this line of thinking was ridiculous because the house I was working in was vacant during the day with the family at work and school. Nevertheless, I showered, threw on my historical housekeeping shirt I'd custom designed and dark skinny jeans that were a touch too skinny. I was going for the comfortable, but hey, I own my own business kind of look. Looking back, I could smack myself. I grabbed my cleaning kit, which was a rolling toolbox I'd snagged from a garage sale and headed out. The Haskell House is a beautiful row house in the middle of the city. Don't let its location or size confuse you. This is a different shade in the color wheel of wealth. As a registered historical site, Haskell House sits in the corner of a long city block of row houses. Its classic brick facade was painted a rich purple with a pale yellow door. The home had a small front garden, primarily brick pavers and a tiny Japanese maple. Walking up, I suspected the house was deceptively larger than it appeared. I used my number code to enter the house and confirmed my observation. The place was enormous. It opened into a long, expansive hallway with rooms directed on the left side and a long, skinny staircase to the right. The floors were a beautiful, dark stained oak, but shockingly, all of the molding had been painted white. Something you need to know about me. I think painting original molding in a home is an absolute atrocity. But, to each their own... The decor of the home stood in stark contrast to its historical status. It was crisp modern lines, white walls, acrylic tables, and massive geometric pieces of art hung on the walls. The seating and what I assumed was the formal living room were porch swings. I kid you not, two long porch swings were suspended from 12-foot ceilings. Was it my style? No. But it was absolutely impractical and fabulous. As I walked towards the back of the house, I found the kitchen. It did not disappoint. 
In the middle of the kitchen sat the queen mother of all kitchen islands. The cabinetry was a rich black with stainless steel countertops. The centerpiece of the island was an enormous 12-burner stove. It was beyond professional grade. It looked like an upscale French stove and a spaceship had a baby. I had to resist running my hands along it lovingly. I had no desire to clean my own incriminating fingerprint smudges. As you exited the kitchen, there was a back staircase and a small study on the opposite side. The study was filled with bookshelves and had a large antique desk in the center, facing away from an even larger window. Beyond the study was a door leading out to the back garden. Snapping myself out of my house-obsessed fog, I realized I'd already wasted ten minutes gawking at this unconventional house. I parked my grandma-style rolling kit, popped in my earbuds, and queued up my favorite true crime podcast. I couldn't wait to get to work. I was feeling excited about the focused three hours of solitude ahead of me. As I was only to clean the first floor, I started off with general housekeeping first. I worked all the way through a particularly gruesome episode of Case File and queued up the next after I finished vacuuming. I'd worked up a sweat, so I grabbed a bottle of water and sat on the window seat in the front living room. I was too scared to sit on the porch swings because I wasn't quite sure if it was meant to be functional or just art. My mind began to wander as I gazed out the window, but I was pulled back to the present when I heard what sounded like the click of a door opening from the back of the house. I stood up, feeling a bit uneasy, but not quite sure of what I'd heard. Poking my head out into the foyer, I called out, Hello? Like someone who didn't listen to true crime religiously. I took a few steps in and listened. I didn't hear anything. I took a few more. Nothing. I didn't have a clear view of the back door from the foyer, so I took a deep breath and walked down the hallway towards the back of the house. I breathed a sigh of relief and allowed my jaw muscles to relax once I saw that the back door was shut and locked and the alarm was still engaged. A little jumpy from the True Crime podcast, I decided to leave one headphone out while I started cleaning the antique wooden desk in the study. Just a warning that I will use this word a lot, but it was stunning and very formal for such a modern and wild space. I marveled at how these owners could pull together what to me looked like a bunch of random shit and just totally make it work. Made out of beautiful mahogany wood, the desk had long legs that fluted outward into delicate claw feet. As I squatted to the ground to clean the legs of the desk, I heard footsteps upstairs. They were unmistakable and right above me. I froze in a crouched position, forcing myself not to hide under the desk. I fumbled for my phone, turned off my podcast, and listened. I heard furniture creaking upstairs. Someone was in the house. Absolutely terrified, but not really sure of what I should do, I shot a quick text to the owner, asking if the house was supposed to be empty. Within seconds, I got, no one is home, is everything okay, back from her. From above, I heard more movement, a door being slowly closed. My heart was thumping so hard, I placed my hand on my chest to slow down. I tried to steady my breathing, to think. I texted, I hear footsteps upstairs, I'm going to call the police. I started to stand and then froze again. From the study door, I had a perfect view of the back staircase. I could see a tall shadow standing at the top of the stairs, as if waiting for me to come towards the door. I stood still, waiting to see if the person would move one way or the other. 
When the figure stood still for a few moments, I made a decision. Tiptoeing towards the study entrance, I braced myself for a sprint to the front door. The back door was technically closer, but it was locked and the alarm was engaged. It would take too long to open. I wanted to get the hell out of there. I took one calming breath and took a step forward. A soft male voice whispered, I see you. I panicked. I'm usually calm and cool in stressful situations, I swear, but this was too much. Without much thought, I turned around, opened that big, beautiful study window, and jumped out. I landed on my side with a thud in a scratchy hydrangea bush. Being 37 and kind of out of shape, I landed with all the grace of an elephant. I limped to the front of the street and immediately called 911. Thinking it would be a long wait, I crossed the street and fixed my gaze on that house, praying that no one had followed after me. The police arrived within minutes. I told them who I was and what I was doing. They called the owner to verify first and then swept the entire house from top to bottom. It seemed to take hours, but probably 20 minutes lapsed before I saw movement at the front door. Three officers were escorting what looked like two teenagers, a boy and a girl in various states of undress, out of the door. They looked embarrassed, and the young man shot me dagger eyes. As the teenagers were being escorted to the police cars, the owner pulled up, leapt out of the car, and yelled, James! She ran to the teenage boy and hugged him. And then, holy shit, did she let him have it for the whole block to see. It seems that her son snuck his girlfriend in the house while his mom was away at work. Unaware that the new housekeeper was downstairs, they were upstairs enjoying each other's company. After thoroughly berating the teenagers, the owner, Monica, came over and spoke with me. Let's just say she was as stylish as the decor in her home. Flawless skin, long wavy brown hair, boyfriend jeans, Chuck Taylors. She made it look effortless. Well, that just happened, I said shakily with a stupid smile on my face. Once you get to know me, you'll know that when I'm uncomfortable, I smile and make jokes. I am super awkward at funerals. Miss Bell, this will never happen again. I'll make sure of it. Did you have enough time to finish your work? Monica said directly and to the point. She had this hard edge that read, don't fuck with me, even as she quasi-apologized. Oh, yeah, of course. I was just wrapping up in the study. Sorry about all the police presence, but I was terrified someone had broken into your home, I said. Oh, don't you worry about it. This is not on you, she said before dragging James over to apologize. I got a, I'm sorry or whatever, from him. I told him that I was young once too, but the whispering was just creepy. James gave me a long stare before his mom ribbed him with her elbow and he offered a weak, sorry about it all, and left. After all the bullshit I went through, I just wanted to leave. My ankle hurt, my good jeans were ripped from my heroic leap from the window, and I had one hell of a headache. The absurdity of the situation was not lost on me. I'd been scared from the house by two teenagers. There were now five police cars, lights blazing, parked outside this lovely home. Two mortified teenagers were in what I assumed was deep shit with their parents. I couldn't help it. Maybe it was the adrenaline or the absurdity of the whole situation, but I started laughing and I couldn't stop. I sat down on the little brick retaining wall and wiped tears from my eyes, getting myself together. 
Then I went back inside and grabbed my rolling cart from the study. Walking out, I gave a quick wave to Monica and made my way towards the Jeep. Once inside, I locked the doors and rested my head on the steering wheel. What in the actual hell had just happened? Heaven help me if I ever had kids. Later that night, I was sitting outside on my balcony, drinking a larger glass of Aldi wine than I'd care to admit. The stars were visible despite the city lights. I sat there, gazing up at those stars for what seemed like forever. The silence of the moment was broken by the familiar chirp of my phone. Monica was calling me at 10.30 at night. Weird, but what had happened was also strange. Normally, I'd send that call straight to voicemail, but thinking she wanted to apologize again, I picked up to assure her it was fine. Instead, I was met with the voice of a teenage boy. Miss Bell? Yes, is this James? I said, my mind reeling as to why he would call me. He responded in typical teenage fashion with, Yeah. Wanting him to get to the point, I asked, Is everything okay? You heard him, didn't you? He said. Chills went up my spine. What do you mean? There was a long pause before he replied. The whispering man. You heard him too, didn't you? Now let me ask you, would you go back in that house after that phone call? Because I did. Thank you for listening to Polish and Scream.
Polish and Scream is created by M. Dawson with support from Becca Rhodes.